Welcome to Yippie Kai Mother Podcast Reunion Tour. I'm Ralph Quartucci. I'm here with Sean Murphy, Hassan Hassan, and Al. Hi, guys. And we got a new guy, Drew, who's been on the podcast for about a year. Hey, Drew. How's it going? I'm good. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. All right. Welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing? Doing great. What? Doing great what? Pretty good. I miss Uh, you guys. uh, 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 uh. Hassan's uh, stealing internet from somebody, his neighbor, so he'll come and go. Uh, he's in Queens, New York, right, Hassan? Queens? Yes, I am having right. a great time here in good old Queens. All right, good. Um, nice to get everybody back. To- we just thought we'd do a little nice, you know, get everybody back together. It's been a few years since we've – the original intent of this podcast was that Sean and I, the old dudes in the podcast, would bring films to the young guys, AKL. Alan Hassan, who had never seen films from the 70s. Um, we've kind of gone away from that because the young guys didn't want to do it. Because the younger guys went away from it. So. Yeah, I don't know why. Um, I don't know why. Can't imagine today. Can't imagine. Uh, the boredom might have gotten to him. But we got the gang <laughs> back together, and tonight we're going to do a classic 1964 film, I think. Sean, when did this come out? Yeah. I think yep. it was 1964. Right. Why don't you describe right. the film we're doing tonight that's brought to the table? Okay. Well, we are watching Stanley Kubrick's Kubrick. Kubrick's. Man, what a what about this original reunion that's got feels like high school? <laughs> wow. Um, Stanley Kubrick's comedy classic satire, Doctor Strange Love, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. The first time I watched it, I had no idea it was a comedy. I went in going like, okay, Kubrick, this is going to be weird. Uh, it's going to be good. But I was not expecting comedy at all. They have characters named Bat Guano. Exactly. Yeah. And Jack well, Ripper. Jack the Ripper. I mean, I, ca- I caught on. I caught on. I'm- all the, <laughs> all female parts. That the, the president's name is Merkin something, right? Merkin, we know what yeah. that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. What um, is that, Ralph? That's a patch you put when you're shooting porno. To, I don't know what it is. It's a Merkin. It's, it's, it's a pubic it's wig. Ralph. It's, 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 it's a muff. You love the muff. I so do love some his muff. name is His name is Merkin Muffley. I would think you'd remember Merkin that. Muffley. Uh, Turg- who's the, the general? Uh, George E. Scott general plays Turgeson. Turgeson. Yeah, Turgeson. Yeah. Turgeson. So it's, that's Buck. like a, yeah. a wrecked penis or something. I don't know. So, yeah. And uh, uh, Peter Sellers plays three or four parts in this film. Three, and he was supposed to play four. He was also supposed to play this, you know, the Slim Pickens role, the bombardier, uh, the pilot of the plane. Well, Slim Pickens well, thought God he was in a, it to Slim. Yeah, Slim thought he was in a serious film. He didn't know it was a comedy. I guess until he... <laughs> Until he mounted that uh, atomic bomb and went down. So the the whole Spoiler point alert, of this, by the, way. the whole point of this original podcast was for these young guys to watch this film. So Hassan, when did you actually see this film? Uh, I saw it a couple months ago, a few months ago, for the first time. What inspired you to uh, see yeah. it? Where did you see it? 
Uh, I was I was just sitting at home with my roommate and we were just looking at random movies and I think uh, I had heard a lot about Doctor Strangelove and like a lot of people were like, oh, Doctor Strangelove, great movie, Stanley Kubrick. I was like, okay, I'll put it on my list. So we just like popped it on. And literally it was me and my roommate who's from Serbia and we were both just like, uh, the entire time we were just like oh, Americans, you know, like, and all this war <laughs> and everything. It was just like a giant face bomb the entire time. And, but it was great. I still love the satire. And what other Stanley Kubrick what? film had you seen? You haven't seen The Shining yet, right? I haven't seen The Shining. I saw Clockwork Orange. I haven't seen 2001. I'm sure you saw Barry Lyndon, though, right? <laughs> Barry Lyndon, a classic. <laughs> classic. What's Barry Lyndon? That's a his period, a period film where everything in the movie is lit only by uh, natural light. Yeah, the one the, the, the NASA helped him develop those cameras when he faked the moon landing. They oh, my him God. The, the uh, cameras for Barry Lyndon, which is all <laughs> shot in candlelight. <laughs> So. And I think Ryan O'Neill was powered by candle power. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, I will say it's it's Ryan O'Neill's best movie, even better than um, What's Up, Doc. But, uh, um, love Story? Not so good? Not so good. Wait. You know, I, I tell you what, movie. I am the big fan of Barry Lyndon. I think Barry Lyndon is hilarious through and through. It's so arch and um, funny, you know, the voiceover and all. But we're talking about doesn't have as much uh, um, doesn't have as yeah. much Nicole Kidman nudity as, as Eyes Wide Shut. But I think Barry oh, that's Lindman right. Is that's worth that's also yeah yeah. So there was just a recent movie that was just lit by all natural light, wasn't there? Like it just. Um, I mean, probably it's an experiment people keep bringing back and the Reverend is that all natural light? Well, well the Revenant, the Revenant was all was all bullshit steaming steaming oh. bullshit. Oh, wow. and, I think the witch terrible. was natural, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Well, it's easier that, now with the even if you shot on film, the films are better. But All right. Okay. You know, no, 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 no. Let's talk about the film. Let's talk about the film. Uh, what film? This is what happened. This is what happened when we sit around the pool table in the old days. We just start getting off on stuff. So, um, whoa. I love getting off. I miss on that. Yeah. <laughs> All those no. balls. I miss that pool table. Oh. Uh, I especially get on that pool table. I miss the leather couch, the leather porn couch. Yeah, that's still we got. I got a white one back there, a different one. <laughs> but, uh, oh, that you leave stains on that. Uh, this is this is Sean. This is what Sean used to do back in the day. <laughs> Same thing, because Debbie's not sitting in the square with him, so he can say whatever he wants right now. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, he's let's, usually so restrained. Let's otherwise. talk about Doctor Strange Love, please. Um, yes. Do you want me to start? Or yes, you- please go ahead. Okay, so it's based on a book that was very serious, that took the subject matter very serious. Kubrick did not want to do that. He brought on um, Terry Southern, who was, you know, a comedy writer at the time, um, a, you know, satirical comedy writer who was quite popular during, um, during the 60s and early 70s. But I don't think anything he did. Now, Kubrick would years later always put down Terry Southern's contribution to the film. And, um, you know, but Kubrick usually does, doesn't have this sense of humor that, you know, you don't normally see something this, this wild. And I, you know, well, the plot is an American general played by Sterling Hayden, 
who is a Kubrick favorite. He was in um, the, the Killing. Killing. Yep. Um, he's he was, um, he's <laughs> paranoid. He thinks there's a uh, that fluoridation is a communist plot, and he decides to launch his. He's a commander of SAC to launch his bombers to attack Russia, and he you. you they, you can't return, get them to return without a coded message. And he's hoping that the president will see that the bombers can't return and that they, and that the United States will have no choice but to strike at the Soviets with everything they have and de facto defeat them. But the president has other ideas and, and one of the, um, and what's great to me about this film is that you know, on one hand, it's very broad and has great sets. The War Room is by Ken Adam, who was later, you know, do a lot of great sets for the James Bond films. Film was shot mm. in England. And, um, but the stuff on the bomber is absolutely terrific. And, and the drawback is if, if any of the planes get through, the Russians have set up a, um, a doomsday device that will launch, that will detonate a lot of bombs that will make the earth unlivable. But the strength of the film is you you so root for slim pickets, you just want to see them succeed, you know, even though it means the end of the world if it does. You are just really rooting for this guy that he's going, you know, this guy from Texas that he's going to fly that bomber in and get it. He's based know? on a real so, dude. He's based on a real pilot who put his cowboy boots on and the cowboy hat on and drove the bomber plane. That's a lot of this shit is based in reality. Like the the that's why it's so the, upsetting uh, and funny. Right, the Sterling Hayden character is based you on a guy. You rooted for him. What? You rooted for him to bomb to ride the bomb down. Absolutely. Yeah, hell yeah, Yee-haw! absolutely. Why would you? You root for the underdog. I don't know, being anti-war or something. No, uh, we can't be anti-war. We're American. We love this it. is 1964. So get take your woke shit we and get out so of the much. room. Okay, go away. <laughs> yeah. uh, why? Well, Hassan, if he Hassan doesn't, are you going to bomb him? Hassan was caught up in the old uh, the protest down by the White House, where he the 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 church thing, and he ended up in somebody's oh, house. Really? Right, he was one of the guys in that house where the yeah. guy pulled everybody in. So I can understand. Well, thank you for your service. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, a lot of these guys are based on real people. The, even even George E. Scott's character is based on a real general who's completely paranoid about communism. Was his uh, name Patton? Because that would have been interesting. It was not Patton. It was, uh, <laughs> I don't know who. I don't know who. Uh, well, uh, the other guy was uh, Bombs Away LeMay, Jack Ripper, wasn't he based on that? Um, Jack Ripper. On, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, Curtis LeMay, Curtis LeMay is the commander of Strategic Air Command, is like a living cartoon character in a lot of ways. I mean, they're a brilliant guy at what he did, but he was, he was almost, you know, made to be satirized by, by somebody with this level of skill. He's just great. Now, Al, okay, Al. Yes. We, Al. we talked about two films. We we're going to either do The Shining or we we're going to do this one. And you yes. definitely did not want to do The Shining and you definitely wanted to do this one. Why this one? Well, I didn't want to do The Shining because everybody has talked The Shining to death. It's like Jaws. There except, is a, there except is awesome. a conspiratorial documentary about the movie. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's not conspiracy. That's real. That, that's not, that's a real, that's real. Oh, okay. 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 Just true. Okay. Um, it's real, like I, the I, Matrix I, documentary, right? Uh, I wanted to do Doctor Strangelove because uh, I really love the movie. Uh, I love, I love apocalyptic movies, and this certainly falls into that category. Um, 
but you know, my, my first real experience with this was, uh, the, or the, how I learned about this movie was a reference to it in the Simpsons. So like after I saw it in, uh, the Simpsons, then I, I tracked it down. I think the first time I saw it was maybe when I was 16 and then I kind of fell in love with Kubrick and bought all his movies. So, um, but I mean, for me, like I, all the performances are amazing in this. I love George C. Scott in this. I love his hand, like his, his I wouldn't say it's ham-fisted acting, but his exaggerated acting and his, you know, facial, uh, the facial acting that he's doing. And, he was great. Like, he was great in this film. He's great. <laughs> yeah. And Peter I Sellers. Like that, that killed me. It was so funny. Which part? What, 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 what killed Wait, what? you, Hassan? George C. Scott? Oh, sorry. That Doctor Strange loves Doctor Strange loves acting when it came to hand and everything. Oh, oh, you mean you actually Peter Sellers playing Doctor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that yeah. in a second because there was, I can't believe all that sh- stuff was improv. It was improv. Yeah, George C. Scott, mm-hmm. like, was worried about his like how he was playing in this thing, and I actually thought he was. This is one of, like, one of his best films. He seems yeah. completely accessible, and he, like, that scene at the beginning with his secretary or whatever the hell's going on, where he's yeah, that's just it's just he's great. I love it when he slaps his stomach. It's so loud. It's like a, it's like whoosh, you know he's standing there and you know he's like hmm. What's the, what's on the what's on the threat board? Nothing, nothing. You know, I mean. He, he he is fabulous in this movie. I like it after he, the girlfriend calls him and he's like whispering to her, and then he tells her to say her prayers. And he puts the phone down. Then he goes back like this, like he's like a, in it, like a, like a schoolboy or something, like afraid someone had heard that he was doing that. What is the deal with the yeah. Wrigley's chewing gum in this film? Oh my God! How much gum did he chew? He was chewing. And at it, one point, like, you see, like everybody yeah. was chewing. And those those survival packets, to- the survival packets yeah. they had in the plane. There was like six packs of chewing gum in there too. Yeah, well, you need it. Well, I think you know. I think you know, they they didn't show anybody smoking. So, like, that's what they would have really been doing in real mm, life. Is everybody would have been smoking in the war room. So maybe it was some kind of like showing how infantile these people are by like using chewing gum instead of like doing an adult thing like smoking. Was this well, actually except the Sterling code? Hayden? No, this was after that. You could certainly show smoking and Sterling Hayden had a cigar in his mouth in practically every shot. He was Yeah, in. but that, that was and more you had to, uh, a phallic I, I, symbol. Yeah, that was definitely like he he's the big dick in the room. Like he's going to end he's going to kill the entire world cuz he has this hard on for fluoridation. And yeah. eating holes in your brain. Well, you have yeah. to protect and, your you know, essence. Women seek his. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't fear the company of women. Or no, it is, I don't. Um, I forgot what he said. But women seek my essence, <coughs> but I do not grant it to them. You know. So he, I have a he, feeling I knew what he was talking about. And what was another great was when Peter saw when he talked about being tortured. I think, and he has uh, to be talked, and he's because... like. Go ahead, Hassan, jump in. This is all because of what? Sorry, sorry. I, it, it cut off. Because he was too horny, and he hadn't given anyone his essence in so long. You're talking about Jack <laughs> D. Ripper? 
Yeah. Jack the Ripper. Jack yeah. the Ripper. Yeah. But I, I love that little capper at the end of the tort where he's talking about torture. And he's like, well, they really didn't want, I don't think they really wanted me to talk. They just like to do it, you know, the blighters or something. And he goes, but they make such marvelous cameras. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, oh man, he was, you know, Peter Sellers was, um, but, you know, Sellers as strange love, you know, Dr. Verkta you know, you know, that's not a German. That was his, changed his name. I mean, he was obviously based on, um, what's it? Werner von Braun. Yeah, von Braun. You know. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing, you know, von Braun, you know, who was a Nazi who came over for the space program, you know, wrote this book called I Aim at the Stars. But everyone always said the title should have been I Aim at the Stars, but sometimes I hit London. You know, because he was involved in he was involved in the V two program. Well, it's hard it's hard to aim reliably when you're standing on all those dead slaves. So that's probably yeah why he would have hit London. Yeah, I think they managed to overlook a few things with um, Doctor Werner von Braun. But um, yeah, obviously that I mean it's fabulous. <laughs> I love his hand occasionally going up and well, I mean I read some there. stuff where like even Kubrick. All the stuff that Sellers was doing was all improv. He had no he and and he couldn't shoot he couldn't shoot uh, multiple scenes because he didn't know where it was going to go. And that last shot where he stands up and he goes, "My Führer, I can walk." That was totally <laughs> improv. They, nobody knew what the frick he was going to do. It's a great ender for the movie, you know. Other it's than great, the, but I actually like the character he played, the British dude, the British uh, yeah, yeah assistant to Jack D. Ripper. Yeah. And that whole scene with the Coca Cola with the, uh, um, uh, Keenan Wynn. Keenan Wynn, where he shoots it. Yeah, back Guano. You're gonna have to deal with uh, the Coca Cola company. I mean, I never realized how funny this film. I had never seen this thing all the way through. Now I had seen Failsafe, right? Failsafe came out the same year. Just yeah, the Sydney um, Lumet. Right, film. but the Henry the, 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 the serious version book. of this one, the serious version. Um. And I kind of—it's an excellent movie. Oh, it's a great yes. movie, with a with a with an amazing ending where Henry Fonda has to bomb New York City, knowing his wife is there, right? Yeah, um, I think that's why he did it. Why he bombed New York City? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kill his wife. <laughs> oh. Wow, yeah. it was cover. It was cover <laughs> to kill his wife. Well, that's a good yeah. point. My plot worked. <laughs> Guess so. Um. I don't know. Hassan, so. Yeah. Hassan, you're the youngest one in this group. This. Let's get back to the essence of our See, podcast. See, that's all the information that I usually, this is all the information that I usually had, like, missed through the movies, you know? Like, I didn't have that, um, the, the Cold War information or that bombing information as much. So when you saw this film, all you thought was America is a warm, hungry, freaking country. Is that what you thought? Pretty much, I was like typical, you know. Yeah. Like typical generals, typical uh, uh, soldiers trying to like, empty their bombs and their Mia Copa. Random, random countries. But I was like, hey, they're letting Stanley Kubrick make this movie. They know, right? <laughs> they know it's where they're like this. So. It's interesting that the studio put that disclaimer at the head. I'm sure that was their idea, how these events could not happen. Right. You know? 
Yeah, I think you know. they said afterwards too. They were like, "This could never happen." Like, uh, there were like news articles and stuff about how like this could never happen. This like no general could actually have the power to do this, but I think they could, right? Like, well, the other thing that came up was the scene where um, the the telephone booth scene. Like, I got to call the White House, right? That was like, okay, we got to make sure that somebody can actually get in. If all this, if everything all fails, we have to still make sure that somebody can get in and get to the president if they have to. And it came out of this film. It's like a lot of, a lot of stuff came out of this film. Like, wait, it, could this actually happen if everything shut down? What, what, what are we going to do? And, and it was, well, I think it's the a movie, com- the, the movie really shows the, the, the fragility of those kinds of communications. Like this was right after the Cuban Missile Crisis when basically the Russians sent two messages to the Americans and one of them essentially said, fuck you, we're going to war. And the other one said, we can work this out. And the Kennedy brothers basically said, we're going to just pretend we got the one that said we can work this out and we never got the other one. And there was a peaceful resolution. And I wish that that was some sort of simplification, but that's kind of what happened. So the fact that all of this, it's, it's, it's not so much the, the scary part is not so much could one person take it over. It's that how, how simple a thing could fail and, it, and, and the destruction of the whole world hinges on it. And that's been fodder for, you know, dozens of, of movies that are, that are both very serious and very funny or like this one, very both. I mean, it's very funny. It's also really upsetting. So that's why it's great. Yeah, this is, um, you know, this is my favorite comedy of the 60s. And I do consider it predominantly a comedy. Though it's a great comedy. It has a great message. You know, it, it, is, it is definitely uh, my favorite. I saw it when I was very young. By the time I was like 12, we didn't have VHS or anything. And it was not available on Super 8. So... Basically, what I did is I recorded it on cassette tape, you know, so I just had the audio. Oh, wow. So I would just sit at bed at night and just listen to the movie, you know, fast forward. I didn't have to fast forward through commercials because I'd stop the tape on the commercials. But this was one of the first films that I liked so much that I would just, I recorded it and would just listen to it. Is that the same thing that you did for like Behind the Green Door and Deep Throat and stuff? Also just the audio? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I thought I didn't think the visuals added that much. Yes, I figured it's a, it's the imagination. Yeah, uh, you know, because that way I could imagine myself in it. No, just yeah. <laughs> well, now this I'm imagining like, that. Thanks, this Sean. What, this was his <laughs> yeah. third or fourth film, right? This yeah, this like, was this after Spartacus and. The killing uh, was the killing and I don't remember killers the killer's kiss. Fifty-eight, I think it was fifty-eight. Kubrick yeah. did Spartacus. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. With Kirk Douglas. That was his first really Andy. giant studio movie, and Kirk Douglas and is the Paz, guy who fought for him to to do it. So. And Paths of Glory too. Oh right, yes, he, with Kirk Douglas. And then I believe he made Lolita next, which is I, probably my least favorite Kubrick film. I Lolita just leaves me cold. Granted. Kubrick's a cold filmmaker, but I just never, never liked Lolita. But after prefer, that, every film's. Do you prefer Adrian Lyons' version? Since we just did Fatal Attraction, do you prefer his version of Lolita, or is it just too hard? I only to film saw it book? once. I only saw it once, but I like that version better. 
Gotcha. You know, I I just don't think Kubrick was the right man for Lolita. You know, you know, he was the right man for this one. Oh yeah, this was this was perfect. I would really like to um, have seen an interview with him discussing this film in particular. You know, because all I know is that he occasionally derided what Southern it did. He said Southern came up with the names and that was it. You know, but um, Kubrick always has a sense of humor in his films. And um, how much, you know, depending, he has a writing credit in this. You know, I think he's intimately involved in the writing one way or another. It isn't like people, well, like Spartacus, he was... Spartacus Paths of Glory, I'm sure he was handed a script. Those were studio pictures. But the pictures he does on his own, uh, he was intimately involved in everything. So I'm sure he was, you know, you know, very actively involved in the script of this movie. Well, that's a really hard tone to pull off to, to be serious and satirical and be effective. I mean, Full Metal Jacket is the same kind of, like, it's there's stuff in it that's really funny and upsetting at the same time. And that's very hard to pull off. So he's... uh he didn't make a lot of movies, but they were all, almost all of them pretty special. Especially as Hassan would tell us, Barry Lyndon. It's hot. It's really good. <laughs> now, now, don't down it's hard Barry for me to Lyndon. Imagine, uh, Stanley Kubrick. It's hard for me to imagine Stanley Kubrick not being like all hands on on absolutely right. Everything. Well, he was all right. he, that's his, all the reports out of this is he was hands on everything. But that's he that's operated. that's yeah. That was his I believe thing. he operated the camera himself on the bomber <laughs> scenes. I believe he operated too. So well, I, I can't believe, believe that Sim, Slim Pickens thought he was in a serious film, which is what makes his performance great. If you look at the beginning of that film before he gets on the thing, he was like that was a you know he was into the whole thing. Yeah. Now he he well that's the key I think on a performance like that. You know, is that and that made him. Well, after this, he did. You know, was this before Blazing Saddles or after? No, this is before, before. Blazing Saddles. Well, well yeah. before, yeah, yeah, well, well before. before, yeah. So, Al, so Al, jump, Al, jump was... back in. Come on. Sure. Well, so, who I... was he in Blazing Saddles? He was like the uh, the cowboys foreman for the railroad. Uh, yeah, Someone's got to go um... back and get a shitload of dimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and when and when the, when Cleavon Little is sinking into quicksand, he's like, "Uh oh, let's get give me a rope!" And they get the and they pull up the um, cart and they leave those guys in there. Right. And that he hits right. him over the head, Cleavon Little. That's what sends him to to be executed, you know. But um, my bad. Chris, apparently, Slim was Slim was very upset about having uh, you mean Al the N word. Yeah. Oh, Al. Beep. <laughs> All right, Al. Come on, jump in. What are you gonna say? Oh well, I, I I really like some Slim Pickens in general, but because I just watched a, a movie called Rancho Deluxe with uh, him and Jeff Bridges and uh, uh, Sam Waterston, uh, where there are a bunch of there are a couple cattle rustlers. It came out in '75, but Slim plays a uh, like a cattle detective, and he's like old and decrepit, and he, he seems like he's losing his mind, and he doesn't care, but he solves the case at the end. He's witty. Sam Waterston is in a western. Yes, uh, he plays an Indian, which is not that. You know, <laughs> these days it's not that kosher. I would say. Wow. I mean, they didn't they didn't put him in brown face, but he uh, definitely does not look Native American. It's uh, amazing. And Joe Spinell also plays uh, Native American in it too, which is oh ridiculous. my god. Uh, 
Italians closer. Yeah. But um, Slim Pickens was also had a um, had a um, great couple scenes at the end of the getaway, the Steve McQueen version. Oh yes, he too. did. He did. Yeah, he took him across the Mexican yep. line, and it was a very it was a small but very memorable and very like warm performance. You know, you you really liked him. You know, in that movie. So I, I really like him. And let's not forget Darth Vader there in the, um, you know, yeah, the bombardier. Yeah, yeah, very young James Earl Jones, yeah. Oh, that's true. That's right. Yeah, he's in, the, he's in that uh, bomber. He's in the, the wing, one of the wings. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you were, t- you, you were talking about how, uh, sorry to cut you off, Sean, but you were talking about how, you know, Slim Pickens was playing it serious. I think that's, that's a good contrast between like their part of the movie and what's going on in the war room. I think that's what makes, you know, it makes the politicians look absolutely ridiculous and look like they have no idea what <laughs> well, they're what's doing. Well, the, what's the best line in that thing? There's no fighting in the war room. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are wrestling. <laughs> There's no fighting in the war room. And they, and they, they, you know, they, I've- I think the best line is um, Slim Pickens when he goes back to open that door. He goes, "I'm going to open those doors if it hair lips everyone on Bear Creek," you know. So I, I find myself saying that a lot. <laughs> I'm going to do this, or if it hair lips everyone on Bear Creek. Oh, I thought you meant you were gun- opening Bombay doors a lot, and I was like, Sean, what's yeah. happening over there? <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's a metaphor. That's cool. Don't apologize for your Doctor Strange Love role play or whatever you're up to. I am not judging you. Essence. So, uh, well, I, you know, I was trying to figure out today as I was driving around how many times I must have seen this film. You know, I'm thinking it has to between be somewhere between thirty-five and fifty times. Really, that I many mean, times? I, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm an old guy. You know, and I know I've seen it at least once a year, sometimes multiple. <laughs> this is one of those films where I will always watch it. I, I could be dead tired. It's 3 a.m. I'm turning off the TV. I'm switching the channels and Dr. Strange loves on. You know, I'm up for the rest of the amount. Now, of what channel is that? Because I tried to stream this movie and it, it, it's only playing in one place. HBO Max is the only place That's it's right. playing. For you know, not free because I'm paying for HBO Max. It's not. Where are you watching this film that you can stream? Well, it? I have, I have the Blu-ray. I mean the um, the D- I actually have the DVD. Wait, see, so so you, as you're about to fall asleep, you stick the Blu-ray in the TV. I'm going to fall asleep to this. No, movie? no, no. Back in the old days, before streaming, it was always on. It was on like um, it plays quite a bit on um, TCM or at least it used okay, to. Okay, well that that makes sense. You know. That used to play on the local stations all the time, you know, the late night movies. You know, this was on all the I, time. This is the first time I've watched this film all the way through. Hmm, why, first time. why is that? Is it because you, it didn't interest you? I love you the movie. Fail, I love Failsafe. Failsafe, to me, is an amazing film. Henry Fonda. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know why. I don't know actually why. Um, weren't they I making us? Weren't they making them both at the same time? Sixty four. Both came out in sixty four. I mean, like they were literally producing them at the same time. That's right. Totally That's different right. approaches, which is remarkable because they're both excellent. But and I watched this last night. I watched it and and I was like, why the hell didn't I? I don't get it. Why don't I watch this all the time? Um, 
because I, I really appreciated George and I'm, I'm, George E. Scott was great. I'm a huge fan of Sterling Hayden now because I, I, one of the podcasts we talked about the killing and I, I've now become the Sterling Hayden guy. And I've also found out that he was originally supposed to be Quint in Jaws, but couldn't because of his, because of his tax problems. So I'm like, Oh, I like that guy. Tax issues. And he can't, he can't record this. He's so got to stay out of the country. Um, and I find him to be like a super powerful actor. Like there's something about Sterling Hayden. And in this movie, he, he played it to the full tilt, right? Full tilt. And then you, you add, um, um, Peter Sellers, right? And I'm telling you, the character I love the most is this little British guy with the mustache, who's the one who, pulls the whole thing back by getting on the phone with the president, right? He's the one who's right. Although the, at the end of the film, they still, the doomsday thing happened because he played that beautiful song over all the uh, nuclear explosions. Happening. Yeah. We'll meet again. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, Ralph, there's a Sterling Hayden film. You have to see. Um, I forgot what streaming service it was on. You'll have to look it up. Cause I don't remember the title, but it's a Western. He's in a Western, but he plays a guy who goes west who was a sea captain on a whaling boat. Okay. And he goes west with a harpoon. In the end, he fights the bad guy in a gunfight. The guy, the bad guy has a gun and he, he hurls the harpoon at him. <laughs> I, I, gotta spoilers. Say, I gotta say, he's super powerful. There's something about that guy that I just. You know, he's gonna kill a guy yeah, with a harpoon. I'm finding him fascinating. That so that, that whole thing, but also, Peter Sellers, Sellers playing those three parts, right? So he plays the president. He plays the British guy with the mustache. I can't Mandrake. Mandrake. Another Mandrake. And of course, Dr. Strange, Strange Love, right? Yeah. Dr. Werterliebe. I mean, it's amazing. It's just like, and, and uh, from what I've read, Kubrick like could barely contain himself when when he was going off on his strange love stuff. He was like, everything was an improv. And like I said, that last scene where he stands up and he goes, my Fura, I can walk. That was completely like, that was not in the script. It's, it's just, I, I bet they only held that scene that long because everyone just, you know, freaking. Well, they say, if you look at the Russian, the, the guy thing. playing the Russian ambassador, he could the barely Sonsky. contain himself. He could barely contain yeah. himself. I heard that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that, I, I that, that to me, it's funny the, the in most films. That, wait, go ahead, Al. Al, Al, let you jump in. Al, let's go. Okay. Uh, I, the one thing I, I really wish they would have filmed the, the pie fight scene. Like, I would. No, they filmed uh, it. I don't know if they that, didn't show it. Well, I wish they would release the footage yeah. then. It's just like an extra. Just I want to see how ridiculous it was. It's I'm out sure there. It was awesome. Some some screening the they did. They showed scene? that pie scene. There was a pie fight scene. Yeah, that's, a an, pie al fight. that's a, yeah. an alternate. It's an alternate ending essentially. That there was a pie fight in the war room. The but Russians against the Americans. Fun. Yeah, it's more fun if we nuke the entire planet. So that's what they went with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, most films when the atomic bomb goes off and people die. That's the end of the movie. But then we have this whole great coda about how they're going to survive. And, you know, there's sort of, you know, there's sort of a um, giggling male misogyny 
theme throughout the entire film. What? Well, that very first scene they, they shoot of the B-52s getting... Uh, yeah, total sex. Total sex. Subtle. That was completely... That was all sex. Yeah, and a guy named Mandrake. <laughs> and it was, all, it was all Air Force footage that was not shot by the filmmakers. That, yeah, was, that was stock real, yeah. footage shot from every angle about the, the thing going... Yeah, so... Oh, by the way, when you do see those who haven't seen 2001 yet, that some of that bomber, uh, some of that aerial footage they use in the um, the sky door. Um, what's they call it? The sky, um, the sky door. You know, when they Talking go into the room the, at the um, end. Well, you know, before they get there, they just do it in weird multicolors. That footage, more of that footage flying over the Arctic. You know. So they, they recycled it for that movie as well. And that was widescreen. So um, either they blew it up or that footage was really widescreen, you know. So it was, you know, I noticed that um, I'm not sure of the aspect ratio. Is it standard? I think it is 133 to 1. Yeah. I think it is. You know, because um, Kubrick is very famous for... Um, having really odd, you know, odd aspect ratios. And every one of his films, he rarely does any standard widescreen. It's always a little narrower or a little higher or something. And apparently he's very, you know, if a film, you know, if there was an early screening somewhere at a theater, you know, in the old days, it didn't start in 3,000 theaters. You know, it might be a 100. But if they ever aired his film, and didn't air it at the right aspect ratio because they'd have to really, you had to physically do it to do this films. And then, you know, he would never let them run another one of his films, you know. So he was very particular about that. And that's one of the reasons why they held so long on DVDs, you know, on on some of the Kubrick films because he, he wanted to make sure that they were released properly. He sounds like a regular Christopher Nolan well, how does this to today's VHS generation. Thing? What do you think this VHS? Hey, by the way, that's my copy that uh, I donated to Ralph's library. <laughs> he did. He did, donated a whole uh, music collection. I also, you know, not music, uh, Cuber collection. This is, uh, I don't know what the ratio is on this one. Well, you guys, you, guys you younger now? gentlemen, you know what VHS uh, yeah. is, yes, right? Yes, I am. I am. What laser disc set of style or something? No, there's, I'm still doing that. And I get, I get, and I look at, look at this thing. Jesus. All right. Yeah, this this came out of the VHS collection that Al sent me. So I created a little thing. Oh, Good my. job. I'm Whoa. gonna sell this on eBay for about twelve bucks. It's gonna be awesome. Yep. Hey, <laughs> hey Sean. Those are all VHS covers? Yeah. Hey Sean, yes, uh, it says the uh the IMDB says the negative ratio was one dot three seven to one. And the theatrical ratio was one dot eighty eighty five to one. So for it goes to show you, yeah, yeah, for Strange Love. Oh, so then okay. what? The VHS was the whole open mat, I guess. That's weird. Yeah, but from the framing, it was it was beautiful. You know, this is a really beautiful film, particularly when he takes and then and then except when he's doing the um, handheld documentary stuff. But, I mean, the lighting in this film, the look, you know, it is a beautiful black and white film. Is that what held you back, Ralph, the black and white? No, no, I don't think so. I think that um, 
You know, I'm just not into the old films. You know, I I don't know why. For some reason, Failsafe, I found that one day and I just, it blew me away, right? So Kubrick, I don't know. I kind of, I'm not quite sure why I wasn't totally into this one. Did you like Failsafe? I love Failsafe. I thought Failsafe was amazing. Failsafe ruined all of Kubrick for you? How is that possible? No, he, it didn't ruin it, but it's like, okay, if you're going to make a film about this, Failsafe did a better job. Like, because the, the humor in this one is just over the top. You know, George E. Scott running around playing the completely, you know, obsessed about communism. It's just, it's, everything's over the top. I, I like, I, my films, I need, I need to be based in some kind of reality. And Failsafe felt that way. Well, did you see, um, it was an HBO original movie from like, 30 years ago at this point called By Dawn's Early Light, and it was about um, a nuclear missile gets launched out of Turkey and hits the Soviets, and the oh. Soviets are like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to attack you back, but it wasn't actually a NATO missile, and so the movie follows a bomber crew, which is Powers Booth and uh, Rebecca de Mornay. A lot of other Martin uh, Landau plays the president, and it's it's a serious take on it, but it's the same kind of end of the world tension and and you know falling onto a very few individuals. And if so, if like if this movie, if Doctor Strange Love is a movie that occasionally is almost too silly for you, that's the, by Dawn's Early Light is a good air to fail safe, and it's in color, so I know that you'll enjoy it. No, but the other one and is the, what's what's the one that came out uh, ABC, the one I, I, I the day well, the day after, after the day sure after. right. Well, no, that's sorry, yeah, th- those threads, movies. Those movies are about like that's threads and stuff. Threads, threads is the yeah, best. Yeah, threads is insane. Yeah, if, threads is insane. Totally if you want insane. some like really gnarly, like depressing uh, nuclear holocaust stuff, that yeah, is and great let's movie. not forget. Let's not forget Miracle Mile too. Sure, also a great film. Yeah, I believe we know the casting director, don't we, Sean? Yes. Yeah. That's episode. <laughs> oh, maybe you could get him on a podcast. <laughs> episode twenty-seven in the Yippie Kaye catalog. Uh, no, Kubrick, I think Kubrick, the first film that when I recognized Kubrick was The Shining. I'm just going to admit it. I had no idea before that, probably. Probably. 2001, I was way too young for that. Like, I wasn't into acid and pot in the 70s, 60s, whenever the 68, I think that came out. I was way too young for that. So The you're Shining a, was my more first. You're more of a clay, a quaaludes kid, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I like like the ludes. I like the little riddling. No, but the Shining was probably my first Kubrick introduction to Kubrick, right? So then you go back and you go, oh, let's look at some of this other stuff. I I think 2001 was one I tried to really. Oh, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to watch this. Took forever. I I I still don't understand that film. Um, but this one I hadn't seen fully until we did this podcast for this one. And I appreciate. Well, you know, good. No, go ahead, Ralph. Sorry. No, I, mean, I appreciate the humor. Like George C. Scott, to me, was fantastic in this film. Obviously, so was Peter Sellers, but that's obvious, right? That you know, you know, I've I've been a Peter Sellers fan, a, a Peter Sellers fan, a lot longer than a Kubrick fan, because Pink Panther and and uh, being there and all the stuff that that guy did when I was you know young. Um, so this is the first time I've seen this from a critical perspective, like critically looking at the film, and I thought it was I I, I thought it was well done. I can understand, and not, right down to the opening credits, the credits in this film, the handwritten yeah, thing I or whatever it. they did, 
is is amazing. It's like it's like fantastic. This, this might have this must have been insane for people to see it in 1964. Like what? Yeah, the, what I the hell's I going on? I've seen it then, right? Yeah. So I tell you, I did see 2001 on the initial release, first wow. run. Um, saw it at the drive-in with my parents. Now my father was a computer programmer, an early computer programmer, I guess, not that early, but, and I just remember at the end, I mean, I, I had no idea what was going on in that movie, but I really loved it. I just remember at the end, my mother just turned to my father and said, only, only, only you would like a film about a computer. My father was a computer programmer. You know, I thought that summed it up pretty well. But, you know, I love that film. Any chance I get to see 2001 in the theaters, I always want oh, yeah. to see it. You know, it's, it's, it's a masterpiece, you know. Though a lot of people are now, you know, you're seeing a lot of people who are willing to try to knock it down a bit. Not knock it down, but I mean, well, I think in its time, it must have been unbelievable, right? In its time. But I, I don't know. It's like even The Shining, I want to look back at The Shining and go, okay, what's the deal here? Um, what? That's, uh, no, yeah, I love I The Shining. I saw Horror, and The Shining doesn't really seem like appealing to me. Shining what? The Shining is, is not the Shining is definitely a different ball ball game than um, Amityville Horror. Oh, 100%. It's Shining like the Shining is got Dad a kind going of crazy and killing his family. It's a, no, it's it's different. It's got a, it's got a kind of intensity that you, you like it's it's very unsettling. It's not a great adaptation of the book, which no. the book is also good, but it's um it's it's I mean it's it's worth your time. It's one of those things where everybody in the movie, the performances and the director and everything is firing on all cylinders. And uh, I it's probably sometimes seen as lesser Kubrick because it's a horror movie and it's a genre movie and people don't pay attention to that as much. But I mean, he did incredible stuff with that movie. I think it's definitely worth your time. It's no Barry Lyndon. It was very very good. It did put steady. <laughs> it put steady cam on the map. That's the film. No, more than Rocky. Yeah. Rocky put Steadicam on the map. Rocky. Oh, I thought it was Street know. Trash. No, Rocky. Street Trash. Street put, trash. Uh, Al, what were you going to say about uh, Doctor Strangelove before we all? You were. You were. Oh, you I were don't t- know. I was. I was going to say that. You know, we're kind of talking about our first experiences with Kubrick, and my first experience with Kubrick. I must have been six or seven, and I watched Full Metal Jacket for some, some oh, reason. God. So, oh my like, God! Holy shit! So that probably explains a lot, but you know, yeah. the scene with Vincent Vincent D'Onofrio on the toilet blowing his head off really like burned that into my mind. So you know, it goes right along with all those memories of Hellraiser and Freddy Krueger and you know all those great. Yeah, but didn't didn't this movies. didn't that one feel more real than those other those other yeah. ones you're talking about? I mean, holy shit! I, I don't think so. Yeah, Full know. Metal Jacket is one that I uh that's that's an intense film. I, I don't think I really understood what I was watching when I watched it. At Metal six Jacket. years old? Uh yeah. your parents let you watch that watch that at six. I don't they... e- I don't even know how I saw it. Like I just remember like wa- see I just I remember Arlie Ermy going, you know, doing his thing and then Vincent D'Onofrio blowing his head off and then I think I have some vague memories of, you know, when the one guy's walking around with the machine gun during the day and like the open animal field, mother. Like yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't Adam Baldwin. Yeah. 
Well, see, that's, but the, see, that movie's another example of... the images that I have of that. That movie's from, another example of, 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 like, Dr. Strange, of the serious and the funny. Because, like, Arlie Ermy is terrifying, and that scene at the end of that first half, which you just mentioned, in the bathroom is very upsetting. But Arlie Ermy also says things like, hell, I like you, you can come over to my house and fuck my sister. And it's really just ridiculous, the things he screams at them, which are apparently also very realistic. And I don't know. I mean, there's certain movies you go, I don't think anybody else could have made this. And uh, it's a lot to experience at six years old or seven years old. But, you know, Ralph did Clute when he was a child. So, I, you know, I guess things can happen. <laughs> Clute, Clute was well, great as a kid. Well, you know, it's fun. One thing as a screenwriter I always wrestled with and um, – I always said that um, Full Metal Jacket is the only two-act movie that really works. You know, hmm. it's the Paris Paris Island and then the Vietnam. But, you know, I think the film, ultimately, if you look at, if you forget the locations, you know, it's really a three-act film. I won't get into it, but I, I, you know, I've sat and analyzed that film quite a bit. I do love that film. I think when it came out, it was considered the lesser you know, because all the great filmmakers were starting to do their Vietnam films. You know, Coppola with Apocalypse Now and Oliver Stone with Platoon. And then Kubrick comes late to the game with um, Full Metal Jacket. And I just don't think people knew how to handle this movie. Full Metal I think Jacket that's true. It came out, you know, but I think it, you know, I think in time people have gained an appreciation of the movie. You know, I, you know, the one that frightens me about seeing it again would be, um, eyes wide shut because I found it really affecting when I first saw it. I don't know if I would like it if I saw it again, you know? Well, I saw that with my dad, which was uh, a fun movie to watch with your parents. Yeah. I saw a lot, a lot, a lot of fucking in that movie, but it has its charms. I've never seen it. I've never seen it. And it's shot. I've never seen it. I probably should. I think you should watch it. I don't know why. I think I didn't like, Tom Cruise. I don't know why I didn't want to see that. But no, the thing about Kubrick films is you have to, um, even The Shining, which is actually his most accessible one, because it's is most straightforward, most it's still, it's still a hard one. You've, you've got to just, like, we talked about David Lynch earlier. I mean, at least Kubrick's films have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's not just, you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to, uh, imagine Everything that's going on in the film, even the end of The Shining, when you see in the picture, sorry, hey, hey, uh, hey spoilers, sorry, sorry, uh, Hassan, spoiler alert. But um, even that film, you, you know, you, it's a little bit left to your imagination, uh, but still, they're clear. Like uh, Full Metal Jacket is clear. He's anti-war. I think he's anti-war in uh, in um, obviously in Doctor Strangelove. Um, Ad. Oh, anti, he's too. anti, he's, he's definitely anti-generals. He's anti-military. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't yeah. make yeah, riding sure. nuclear bombs out of a plane look like it's not fun. Like he's not pretending no, that, that was, be really that was fun. fun. So I mean, but I, I, give think he's, for that. I think he's appreciating the, the little guy, not Sacrifice. The, like the, all the politicians in this film look like douchebags. Even the president, who's the most, actually the president was the most rational in the film. Yeah. Merkin. That's, that's Working. what makes it strange. Right. You know, no, you know, Kubrick tried for a decade to get a film about Napoleon made. 
and it oh, just yeah. never worked out for budget reasons or never able to get the actor he wanted. Apparently, he wanted Jack Nicholson. That would have been an interesting thing. I'm going to have to check and see if the scripts are available, any of the versions of the script. Well, that, I'm that curious movie, how he would have handled that. That was going to be bigger than Spartacus if he made that movie, right? Like that was really yeah, going to be yeah. an absolutely tremendous, gigantic movie, and I don't know how he thought he would get money for that. Yeah, know. it was going to be huge battle. Right, so here's the next: you know? Hassan needs to see The Shining, right? He's, he's Hassan. You've yeah. never seen The Shining. Never seen The Shining. I've never seen Eyes Wide Shut either. Neither have I. Yeah, so maybe, me, maybe I'll come up to Queens and you and I will go see The Eyes Wide okay. Shut. But have you have you read the have you read The Shining? You guys can snuggle up and watch it together. Yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll spoon and watch that. Eyes Wide Shut. Please film it. Yeah. Have you I'm read The that. Shining? Um, I haven't. No. Oh. Is it one of those you should read it first? No. No. I no, think you should see the film. It's a great. See it's a film. great book. Yeah, it is a great book. It's a great book. Yeah. I saw it's the a, movie before I read the book. I, I watched the series too with uh, Stephen Weber. Yeah, the ABC miniseries yeah, much, miniseries. much more that faithful. That one is far birth, superior but. to the uh, Stanley Kubrick film. I don't agree with Wait, that. There's I, a, I, uh, I mini, uh, sorry, there's a there's a Shining miniseries. Yes, there is. Yeah, it was yeah. on it was on ABC. It's it's much more faithful to the book. So The Shining is, I think, a, a better movie to watch than to watch the miniseries. But the miniseries is is much more faithful. So it kind of works both ways. They're and then you get Doctor Doctor. Um, Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep, which is a sequel to Since Shining. And- which I found excellent, and I'm hoping... Well, I haven't asked the director, but I know him. Maybe we'll get him on the podcast. Yeah, you keep one. saying that. We never hear it, but that's fine. Whatever. Well, that's because I'm following him, and he's usually shooting something. Very busy. Very busy. Just like I us. I can't get the guy the to come on my show. I've been stalking him, and it's not working. We're busy all the time on this podcast. That's why we can't get anybody on, because we're so busy. <laughs> All right, guys. Who's the director? Sean, drop the name. Um, Flanagan. Mike Flanagan. Not the Oriole, though. He went to... Went to uh, I knew I knew him since he was in college, you know. I wouldn't say He's, I knew him before he was a filmmaker, but I got to know him when he had done his second feature. I think he was may have still only been a junior. Wait, was that, so was that Hush? Was that Hush or a different one? No, he made a number. He made like five or seven, may, may have made five films before Hush. Oh, well. You know, so he made good. two, he made two complete features while he's a student. I was asked to invest in the finishing funds for the second one. And then he made, um, he made a really fabulous film that never, that was at the same time my movie 21 Eyes was. That's when we really started bonding. I used to speak at some of his classes, classes he was in. But he made this film called Ghosts of Hamilton Street that was like the best. It was a long, it was like a two hour movie, but it was like the best Twilight Zone episode ever made. I just thought the film was genius and he just never got the deal. I don't think he stuck with it long enough. Well, but that film was, he's good now. He should put it out and, and have you sign the, uh, you know, put a, put a little thing <laughs> on there. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Hassan, your homework is to watch The Shining. The movie by Kubrick. Okay. Um, yeah, of course. All right. Wait, are you going to watch? Okay. Well, I know. You, I know. You guys you should like... watch the VHS together. Oh. I got the, I got the whole kit. Uh, I know. I still haven't set up my laser disc player, dude. Oh, <laughs> uh, what the what the hell? What is wrong with you? 
Al well, gave me the whole set it up. He doesn't kit. have Wi-Fi. <laughs> I know, he's stealing a Wi-Fi. You know. Ralph, you have to go up and hook up his laser disc player. Unbelievable. I can't I you know, I I'm I'm never gonna talk to you about that one. That's that's just sacrilege right there. Hassan, I don't know if you could hear it earlier, but I still think the best moment of the early podcast was you telling about your first VHS player and why your mother threw it out the window. That was our first D V D player. Okay. Oh, okay. Even oh, better. Fancy. <laughs> You know, the and DVD it's so f- player that we could afford because, like, DVD players back then were expensive. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing so is, is porn. Um, so true <laughs> was that. Um, the funny thing is, Hassan was always worried about what was being said on the podcast in case his parents were to listen to it. And then suddenly he reels out this story, and I'm sitting there thinking, well. If they're listening to this one, this will be something. Well, he actually. Sean, now they can't listen to this one either. He he didn't expect (laughs) that we'd actually put that that show on the air, but we did. (laughs) So that that's in fairness to Hassan, he had no idea that we would uh, put that stuff up. So, but that should only been for that should have only been for our Patreon users, right? Yes. (laughs) All right. So every few months, every couple of months, we should do these reunion things, Hassan. When you actually get. Like legit internet, let us know, okay? Yeah, this ended up working out all right. Instead of trying to steal off your neighbor, just go to work and do it. Do it from work, right? I don't have a job yet. No job. He needs to get a job. That's his problem. Oh, Sean. Now everybody knows, okay? Oh, come back, come back down here. I actually have some uh, some people looking for editors, Hassan. So I will I will text you tomorrow. No lie, uh-huh. I got you covered. Okay, uh, it's a podcast called Yippie Kaye. I need someone to do all the editing because I'm falling behind. Okay? And here's the beauty: yeah. next, it's free. There's no pay. We make no money. It's in yeah. the red production. So, cut him in for fifty percent. <laughs> you got, you got. Yeah, I you give can you double what I make. Too. Double what I make. You got it. Uh, Al, what's your favorite Kubrick movie? Probably Clockwork Orange. Drew, favorite cubic movie? I, I couldn't decide. There's okay. too many that are Sean. great. Uh, Strange Love or perhaps 2001. Hassan, you've seen what? How many of these? <laughs> I'd say Clockwork Orange, um, but I haven't seen 2001 yet. I feel like yeah. 2001 might be. A that's a, that's yeah. I'm going to say Shining. Shining's my favorite Kubrick. Well, I do have um, a favorite Kubrick moment. It's it's in um it's that cut it's a very famous cut in two thousand and one from the the bone falling out of the sky to the spaceship that cuts right. you know like right. millions of years in one cut I mean just I learned about that one cut in school like they literally yeah, talked that cut to death it's amazing I amazing. fought for a cut in a documentary this producer wanted me to dissolve from this one scene to another I go no this has to be. Uh, and I think I think that's my Kubrick moment. I made this cut, and it's it's actually in the doc. It's in the show. Yeah. What did you want? What dissolves are for David? Lynch dissolves. If you can't resolve, about? dissolve. That's the thing. If you can't resolve, <laughs> dissolve. Okay. That's all I'm saying. So if you can't dissolve, if you can't solve it, dissolve. Dissolve it, it exactly. That's all we got. We got yeah. a million of them. All right. So there we go. And remember. Continuity is the hobgoblin of small minds. Continuity is overrated. There's no question. Oh, my God. Jesus. Yeah. Al, you okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Sorry. <laughs> Holy cow. All right, There's gentlemen. There's no sneezing in the war room. 
good good yeah. show. I think <laughs> we'll find out. Um, <laughs> Thanks for inviting should, me too. Yeah, no problem, Drew. We should do this every I, couple of months. Go ahead, Sean. Can I get sentimental? Please. I just want to say it was nice seeing you, Al, and Thank you, you. Hassan again, and you, Drew, Thank as well. You. Because th- you know this was we this was this was fun, and you know when people leave a podcast. Like when I'm listening to a podcast and somebody's not there, I'm like, oh, I hope they all don't hate each other now. But please, we don't hate each other, do we? Well, we didn't like each other at the start. I don't understand what the... <laughs> yeah. We just knew we had good chemistry. That's all that mattered. Yeah. No, my favorite no, I... show, my favorite podcast that we did was Martyrs, okay? Which is a film that I still think is the most gorgeous film I've ever seen in my life, and I never want to watch it again. And that was probably yeah, my favorite. One. Yeah, my it's favorite uh, podcast that we did, other than the um, the uh, uh, spouse one, wherever whatever we did, the, the ladies' choice, <laughs> ladies, which <laughs> yeah, wasn't fun, was but <laughs> ultimately it turns out to be a classic. That was the. The podcast that nearly broke the podcast. No, it broke. No, not nearly. It, it broke. broke it. Yeah. It broke it. Thank, thank God there was COVID. That's the only reason I got back in because of COVID. But, uh, yeah. So we got the old and the new. Drew's part of the new crew. These guys are the old crew. We got a good. It's a good thing. So. Yeah, I'm the. I'm yeah, the youngest one. You guys, I'm man. the youngest one now. So. No, I think. think, uh, about I, think that. I think uh, Hassan still got you on that one. No, I mean of the new crew. Oh, the you're the, you're the, yes, you are the youngest of the new crew. I'm very old to be the youngest one That's right. in the generational but, podcast. Um, it's always fun to talk about films and where people, you know, what, what they, you know, where they were when they saw films, how old, you know, it's just good stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on and on. We got to just cut this thing. But anyway. Yeah. I'm stay in the cult. Good night. Yep. Oh, wait. That's the other show. Good job, guys. All right. Thank you. See you in a couple months. Thank you. Al. <laughs> keep plugging away, baby. All right? Yeah. All right. Hassan, keep plugging away, baby. <laughs> Drew? Hassan, you go too. plug a baby. Oh, wait. Unplug. Unplug. Unplug the baby. Unplug. Right. Hassan, get some real away. internet next week. Next time, would you please? Real internet. Hopefully, I've been hoping, honestly. Right. 